It's the Tim Cornwall Show with Joe Santorsa. Bringing you news from the front lines of the battle to restore the soul of America. And now, here's your host, Tim Cornwall. Hey there, and welcome to episode 719 of the Tim Cornwall Show for Sunday, November 5th, 2023. Ah, gosh, it's November already. <laughs> and I'm joining the show once again by my co-host, co-producer, and resident Photoshop expert, the one and only Joe at Marnus3 at MSTDN.party, Joe. <laughs> Easy for you to say. <laughs> um, yes, I'm I'm doing fine, Tim, and I'm glad to be here. Glad to have you back. Also from down Tennessee way, Adam Kuhn at Mastodon.world. How are you, Adam? Uh, I'm doing okay. Got a little uh, brought home a souvenir from the from AWA. Oh, cool. You have to tell us uh, about that. Got a good one. That's sick. Oh, God, it sucks. It sucks getting sick. And Sue in Rockville at mstdn.social. Hello. I'm actually more at Threads these days, so yes. I, would, I would recommend, if you don't mind. But thanks for having me back. Um, what can I say? I'm seeing a knee surgeon this week. I'm oh, not boy. a happy girl. Oh, boy. Yes. And uh, Justice Putnam at sfba.social. How do I run away? How you doing, Justice? I'm doing fine. It's great to be back. Thanks for having me. What's going on at Oregon Way? Oh, you know, we have some local elections coming up. Oh, yes, we do too. In Oregon here. on Tuesday. We do here in now, of course, too. we are a mail order, mail order, <laughs> a mail in ballot state. Yeah, we're mail order voting state, but uh, we mail it in. But, uh, and we do. But um, so we have until Tuesday, and that's when they'll start actually tabulating the votes. <clears throat> and in our local election here in Rogue River, uh, we have – well, it, it's really a special election time. So we have uh, an issue on eliminating term limits. Hmm. That were put in during the height of the Reagan years because, you know, government's there to hurt you or something, right? And a lot of people bought into that apparently because <clears throat> they think that, you know, you should be termed out. Let, let new blood come in. The problem in our little town is that they or we will vote for a new mayor and city council and then they'll quit before their term is up. Then we have to scramble to get the old people that were in that position before to come and fill in until we can get another election coming in and then get somebody else who will quit. And the reason for it is because the remuneration isn't enough to sustain young folk and their families. So they got to go where the work is, right? Mm, yeah. So um, the, the argument against eliminating term limits is because this – that's what the town says, not the town Facebook page, the more virulent next door types. We don't want any professional career politicians. It's bad enough on the federal level. Why do we have to have it on the local level? <laughs> <laughs> and I had to remind folks that usually in small towns, people have full careers. And then when they retire, they have time to put in for public service. Right. So, you know, I've always hated this idea of a career politician as a pejorative when really what we're looking at is dedicated servants. And so, you, you know, when you say that, Justice, it, it's really funny how that how how that changes based on the job. When I ran my nursery school for all the years I was in early childhood, 
the first question parents ask about me is how what's your staff turnover how how often you know they want experienced teachers who have been there that heavy turnover they run to another school keeping staff getting educated professional staff who've been there who know what they're doing is so highly regarded mm -hmm. it's why there's tenure in the public school system or mm -hmm. at least in most so how come it's such a good thing for education but such a bad thing for politics well, also, you know, it takes my vote away. I mean, if I want somebody who votes, who who is competent, and kind of follows my political bent, what's wrong with having them in office? And especially in a little town like ours, where you know there's not some sort of dark money machine keeping these, <laughs> you know, bad people. I mean, our mayor is like everybody knows her, right? Right. Everybody keeps voting her back in. And then, then the, of course, then you have to play this game of then going and sitting on a city council seat or on the zoning board until you can run again. But then you, then we have problems even filling the zoning and planning commission, the zoning board and planning commission. It's just, you know, all small towns have this. Mm -hmm. And I cite it being from when Reagan said government is the problem. Yeah. yeah. Do you live in Virgin River? <laughs> <laughs> I, I just people need to know how to get shit done yeah, yeah. and, and i don't see what's wrong with that and that's nothing. not Absolutely once again nothing it's called competency yeah i mean and, and once again is that you know people who put in full careers before they become politicians in small towns <laughs> excuse me okay with all that said you can find me <laughs> on uh the the uh uh platform still known to me as twitter mm -hmm. yeah i don't care what he calls it and uh, why why does he have government contracts too? I still can't figure that out. But regardless, because also on Mastodon, uh, uh, Spoutable, Blue Sky, Tumblr. I'm on Tumblr. Oh can you believe that? Oh my goodness! And uh, you can find me at Justice Putnam, also on Netroots Radio, and I'm also the poetry editor at Black Coes over on Daily Coes. Justice, have you watched Virgin River on Netflix? No, I haven't. Oh my god, you have to watch it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, but there's one of the, in the last season that came out a couple months ago. Uh, that's part of the deal is the woman that's mayor, and she's been mayor of Virgin River for like thirty years, <laughs> and she has to well, step down, and, and nobody else can run the town but her. <laughs> See, there is a problem with that too, you know. But, <clears throat> but also, you know, if people are going to run. They should be committed to serving their full term. That's what I think. Yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. All right. Well, Justice, thank you so much. And we'll go to Adam. Or no, let's go to Sue. Sue, what's happening Rockville Way? So as I said, I'm looking at a knee replacement. I'm, I've spent two years doing my best to avoid it, and I've run out of options. So I'm trying to figure out what the hell I'm going to be doing, and none of it, none of my choices are good. So I'm a little frustrated, and when I get frustrated, I get angry. I don't get depressed. I just lash out at everybody. Right. So watch out. Right. I take no responsibility. So I'm doing a lot of posting because the things we're seeing um, – you know, some, someone wrote this very well, uh, and it says this. I'm just going to read this. It says, you know, first they came for the LGBTQ community, and I stood up because love is love. And then I came, then they came for immigrants and, and a Muslim ban, and I stood up because families belong together. Then they came for the black community, and I stood up because black lives matter. And then they came for Jews, and I stood alone because I am a Jew. 
Right. Well, I saw and, that yesterday. Uh, yeah. That's what we're starting to feel. So I have become a lot more strident. Uh, not that I approve of the current Israeli government. Not that I approve Bibi belongs in jail. But Hamas started this. Hamas is a terrorist organization. Israel is now going to finish it. And after they do, Bibi will be deposed. There will be a new government. And the object lesson for everyone listening is never let religion into secular government. Right. It's yeah. The right wing Orthodox Jewish community that has destroyed democracy in Israel. They're parasites. They don't serve. They don't work. And yet each government since Israel was created, has needed them for their coalitions. This is the parliamentary system. It's different than what we have. And with Mike Johnson, who I know we'll be getting into, we're getting the warning signs now. So that's where my anger, I'm using the frustration I'm feeling to do that. But And so if you'd like to read me and Malcolm Nance fighting a two-person war against um Hamas and Palestinian misinformation, you can find me still on Twitter at uh, at 841-920-MIMA6. You can find me. I post through Bullet Media Matters uh, also on Twitter, though that is not my strike. That is news related. And of course, I'm on Spoutable Post and Threads. All right. Did you want to take a minute to just talk about what's go- going on? So there's a couple things uh, that I'll try to get through fast, but the one of the things I was teasing you guys, and I'm going to give you, everyone listening, the answer. So because everyone used to be a COVID specialist and right. knew everything about immunology, but now they're Mideast policy experts. Well, you forget, they, um, they were also experts on Ukraine, too. Yes, they were Ukraine, but now Ukraine's been abandoned. So, you know, the 10,000 innocent people in Ukraine and the hundreds and hundreds of kidnapped Ukrainian children are no longer an issue because we have a chance to flash our Jewish hate. And it's not, let me be clear, what I'm seeing over and over is not anti-Israel disagreements. It is anti-Jew. It is anti-Semitic. It's happened before. It'll happen again. We ride it through. Because as Mark Cuban, who I may be the last person to know is actually Jewish, did not know that, sent out a message of love to all Jewish college students. And love is what keeps us triumphant, keeps our families and our lives together. And I I share that for everyone. But here's my question. So I have, very quickly, I have about 8,000 followers, if you look, which is a very small number from the Twitterverse. But from all of my social media platforms. And I said, before you can comment about the Arab-Israeli, the Palestinian issue, I need you to answer three simple questions. Number one, tell me about Abu Lafia. Two, what are your thoughts about Abu Ghosh? And three, what did you learn about Masada besides its historical influence that, that really surprised you? Okay. And I have posted that now twice over the past five days. And I know you're not shocked to find out that I've had zero, zero responses. I'm sure, right? The vast majority of people have never been to Israel. They have never walked the land. They don't know what they're talking about. They have no sense of what size the country is because we live in this country that is 3,000 miles north and south and uh, east and west and 1,500 miles north and south or more, 2,000 miles. We live in this huge, vast country and no one understands. Let me give you the answers. Abulafia is the best bread store and bakery in the Jerusalem, in the uh, Tel Aviv Jaffa area. 
everyone goes to Abu Lafia. Abu Lafia has been owned by Christian Arabs for over 60 years. And it's where you go to get the best bread. We all journey there and it's it's delightful. The people are great. Everyone goes because in Israel, everyone coexists together. That's There's right. already peace in Israel. They've been coexisting since for 75 years. Okay. That, that sounds Abu Ghosh, Abu Ghosh is it? I'm sorry, Tim. Do you want to add something? I said that sounds like Zabar's in New York City. <laughs> Almost, well, it's really just a bakery. It okay. doesn't. But so my son's like, why are you mentioning the Lavada bread? And I, I said because you know these people who claim to know so much about Israel haven't ever been there, and that's my point. Abu Ghosh is a Christian Arab town that is between. Tel Aviv and Jerusalem, which is sort of a must stop because they literally have the, the restaurants have the best Middle Eastern food. You sit down and they just bring out all those little plates with the olives and with the grape leaves and with the hummus and the baba ganoush and the Israeli salad. And everyone coexists. Everyone loves to eat in Abu Ghosh when they have a chance, if they're going back and forth. And finally, Everyone knows about Masada. Everyone knows it's up high. It's where the Jews committed suicide rather than succumb to Roman rule. All of that is a fascinating tour. Um, and it's a really, the archaeological rooms are quite impressive. But when you're up there, your tour guide will say to you at some point, because you're watching jets go by, and he says, hey, what do you see? And all of us dumb Americans go, oh, I see jets. And then he's like, yes, but do you notice how frequently they go back and forth? He said, that's because the airspace in Israel is about in north, east, and west is about six minutes. So when jets are doing drills east and west, they got to zoom across the Israel airspace, quickly make a U-turn and come back. But there's a lot of east-west. Now, north and south is longer, but not that much. And that profound small piece of land is what Hamas wants. It is what the whole Arab world wants. And that's where the fighting in everyone forgets Palestine has never existed. There was mandatory Palestine that was established under British rule in 1922 and was controlled by the British government. And when the partition, when the UN Council voted to this partition, they voted for two states, a Jewish one, side by side, an Arab one. But all the surrounding countries, Jordan, Egypt, Lebanon, Syria, they said, hell no, you can't come into my country, you Arabs, you don't belong to us. Well, you guys fight. We'll give you money. You fight and take and don't let those Jews come in and survive. And they were defeated. They were defeated. And they've been marginalized since then. They could have had a state 75 years ago. And each time you see these terrorists, remember, they did this because the mandate of, Char of Hamas is not to, create, to kill the state of Israel. It is to kill all Jews. This is an inconvenient truth that nobody wants to look at. And the last thing I'll be say, say about this is the selective protests and outrage about the Israelis, who some of whom are doing things that are deplorable and need to be held accountable for. None of us support that, but I do support facts. I need to know. I don't need to hear that Israel bombed a hospital when they did nothing of the sort. And there's so much in, so much misinformation on social media that you have to find sources 
of of where these where the disinformation and misinformation are being debunked using photos from 10 years ago, five years ago from other countries and claiming that this is this and this when it's not. Mm -hmm. But my selective outrage, and this is my final thing, is that none of these people, not one, protested 200,000 in in Syria, you know, 400,000 in Sudan, a million dead in Yemen. All you ten thousand, as I said, in Ukraine. Where were these students? Where were all these protests? Because at the end of the day, and it pains me as as the daughter of Holocaust survivors, I am watching these fucking bastards. You let their anti-Semitic freak flag fly. It's not about you know occupation. It's not about a free country. It's not about Hamas has killed more Palestinians. Uh, since they over more Gazans, since they overthrow through Fatah, and uh, sorry, I'm adding one more. <clears throat> and in the hundreds of millions of dollars that Hamas has had to build hundreds of miles of tunnels underneath Gaza, they have not built one shelter. They use all their fuel to launch rockets, not one to heat cars or homes. That's what our humanitarian aid does. They are humanitarian aid from democratic countries has caused the survival of the people of Gaza, of the Palestinians. Hamas keeps it all for themselves, not a shelter, not a a gallon of rocket fuel. They want them, and Malcolm Nance calls this, I do not, but he calls it the dead baby strategy. Dead Israeli children, babies, great. Dead Palestinian babies, even better, because that's our propaganda. And the morons who who can't abide the discomfort of not having it solved already, the uncertainty of what's going on, and just love victimology. They love to just find a victim, find a solution, blame somebody, and move on. And I think, I'm not having it. I think the uh, Hamas uh, mission statement also is like includes not only killing all Jews, but all their goats and setting fire to all the land as well. A hundred percent. You know, and people forget that after the 67 war, they used to call the line between uh, Israel and then the, the, the border was called the Green Line. And why was it called the Green Line? You know, it was called the Green Line because the Israelis worked their asses off to irrigate the land, to build on the land and create green, green farms, kibbutzes, so they could produce and, you know, feed themselves and feed everyone else. And the other side was still desert. They were left in desperation. They were left to to have their displacement camps. Jordan could have helped them. And we looked at this, you know, everyone talked about, oh my God, the the border between Gaza and Israel, where 17,000 Gazans every day cross to go to work. And on the Egypt side, there's one gate and it was closed. And it was closed until the U.S. and the U.N. put pressure on them to allow humanitarian, to allow Gazans to leave. You know how many Gazans went into Egypt to work every day? None. But see, that's an inconvenient fact. All these inconvenient facts are left out of major media, left out at all these demonstrations. So we are left with nothing but to see what seems to be clearly evident. It's a great chance. So another thing that bothers me that's been left out? Yes. Is that there was a ceasefire and Hamas violated it on 10 7. Where are the hundreds of thousands of protesters uh, smearing, I don't know, red paint at the White House over that? 
Well, the thing, the other piece of that also with that is that under all this, when you look at, but why, why was it on, you know, what was happening? What was the precipitating factor? And the precipitating factor simply was they're terrified of peace. How is Russia or Iran or Syria going to justify their continued support of all terrorism if peace breaks out? So Israel had just signed two peace agreements with Bahrain and the UAE and was on the cusp of signing one with Saudi Arabia, which is just, oh, no, 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 you cannot have peace. Russia and Iran were like, oh, hell no. Couldn't we, so, couldn't we just take all those Hamas leaders and Qatar and lock them up in a Trump Tower somewhere over there for a while? You make an excellent point because, of course, they're nothing but cowards. They're all goddamn cowards. They live in Qatar. They've got their bulletproof limousines. They live in luxury. And they laugh their asses off at the people who are willing to sacrifice in their name. And again, whether you're a college student who's too fucking stupid to do your homework and know what's going on, or it just makes you feel better to come down to D.C. and go, Palestinian rights, you know what? I want Palestinian rights. I want Palestine to have us, you know, the other thing is I put out a thing, you know, we've been part of Seeds of Peace for over 25 years. Seeds of Peace, most people don't know, it's a small organization. John Wallach and his wife, he's a former journalist, 1992 decided to bring Arab uh, children, teenagers from conflict zones together. And they had two, they still do it, two week sessions in Maine. They have a camp in rural Maine and they bring these kids together to learn to live together, to have meetings, to learn that we are all the same. We are all human. We have all the same blood and learn how to coexist. And then hopefully take that, the seeds of peace, hence its name. And my kids worked there for several years and we've been part of their groups. They've been here to DC. They've been in my home and, and we have all forged some wonderful friendships out of that that have continued. And in fact, my now son-in-law, when he graduated college, he won a fellowship and he went and helped open the Jerusalem Seeds of Peace office. So we've been steeped in, in peace. And I put this out all the time donate to seeds, help them create the next generation. This is a really tough time for them. And I know you're shocked to find out I've had zero response. Again. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so I have I ranted long enough? I think I yeah. should shut up. <laughs> I think I think it's time. So 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 tell people where they can check you out. Again, you can check me out and argue with me and tell me that I'm just a Jew excusing Israeli lover, uh, a dirty Jew because I've heard it before. So go fuck off, but I will block you. So please find me on Twitter at uh, 941920MEMA6, M-E-E-M-A, or Sue in Rockville at Threads, Spoutable, um, Instagram, and Post. Yes, Thank I, you for I letting that, me have this mo- these, these minutes to, to speak. I hope that our listeners would not do that to you, Sue. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, again, it's very simple. Uh, it's it, I've been helping Malcolm. We've been we do a lot of um, mocking and blocking. All right. So, Adam, what's going on Tennessee Way? Oh, uh, nothing much. Nothing much. Uh, I went to AWA last weekend. Had a lovely time interviewing people. I heard you call into the Stephanie Miller show. Yes. Yes. Uh, that I'm not gonna lie. That kind of irritated me because I called for a very specific reason. And I didn't get to say what I want, wanted to say, and I feel like they kind of talked over me a lot. And um, I just want to thank Billy West for coming because he didn't get the love he deserved at the convention. 
she's yeah. easily distracted. Yes, yeah, definitely. I, and, you know, I, I know it's I know it's not like personal, but it's like if I if if it had been you calling in to say what I want to sue, I think you would have been able to. You they would have given you the time to say what you wanted. I get slammed. I have to be honest. No, Karen will always get the time she wants. Kevin will get the time. I get slammed into a hard break. I have a permanent package of ice <laughs> up here because I get sl- I get thirty seconds, no more. Right. Um, but I feel you. I, it's a, it is a common frustration because her brain. She is, you know, honestly, she's got ADD, and her brain is always thinking of witty reposts or who's coming next. She doesn't always listen the way she could. It is it is a flaw. It is who she is. No, no, and I, I apologize on behalf of the show just because I'm there enough because you had something important to say and it was a lovely thing to say and you just didn't you know it it's very frustrating. Yeah, the thing is that so for those of you who don't know, um, Billy West is a prominent voice actor who's done Futurama. He's done all sorts of cartoons for Nick. If you've watched any cartoon, adult or kids, in the past thirty or forty years, I guarantee you've heard his voice. Yeah, didn't he? he didn't is, wasn't he Stimpy and Ren and Stimpy? Yes. Yeah, Carlos Alzaki was Ren and he was Stimpy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was invited to AWA and Friday, the first day, the first actual day of the convention. I mean, yeah, Thursday stuff is happening, but Friday is like the guests are there. And <coughs> Excuse me. Um, he had no one at his table. No one was going to his table because he does. You know, cartoons. He doesn't do anime. And I talked to him briefly, and I got uh, an autograph from Michelle because she baked cookies for the people I had interviews with. And her asking price was an autograph from Billy West. I was like, "That's it, really? Okay." So I walked up to him. I said, "You know, I looked to see what prints he had, and he didn't have the ones she wanted. So I picked out one from Zoid, uh, one of Zoidberg, for Futurama." And he's talking about how you know he doesn't feel like he's a good fit because he doesn't do anime. And I, I told him at the time I said, you know, it matters to me that you're here. Oh, that was nice of you to do that. And he, I told him I said, I hear you. I've, I've, you know, heard your voice in cartoons. I, I hear you every now and then. Stephanie Miller says, oh, I'm going to be on Stephanie Miller on Tuesday. I was like, that's why I got in my head. I'm going to call Tuesday to tell him how much it meant to me that he was there. So Tuesday morning comes along, right? I overslept. I was tired. You know, I've been traveling all day Monday. But I get up at ten. I'm like, it's like ten. I'm like, oh my god, I miss Billy West. No, his the third hour was the one he was coming on. So I called. I waited. I waited, and then they then they took the call like right before the end of the show. And I I, listen. I didn't get to say half of what I wanted to say. It's not like I had a big long thing planned out. But. Like I said, I know my own kind. I always had a hunch Stephanie Miller was ADHD. Um, but I had a lovely time. Up until uh, Wednesday night when uh, some little shits broke into my home again. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, they stole my laptop, which thankfully all the audio from the convention is saved on the cloud. Um, and that's one thing that really pisses me off is that if I hadn't done that, I could have been blacklisted from doing press. Because I'm expected to turn in my audio. Yeah. Um, but the audio is safe. Um, they've made a couple arrests already. They're making another arrest on Monday. Um, some of the property has been returned, namely the PlayStation Five that they stole. Um, but um, I've been informed that this was some, this was personal. Um, the, the kid who did it apparently was angry at me and thought uh, was upset that 
I thought he was involved with the first theft, which he was. <laughs> um, and I guess he thought he would rob him again. You know, me right would you know I'll show him who the criminal is. You know, um, but yeah, I don't have a laptop. I'm gonna try and move soon. Um, it, it's been a rough week because Thursday morning, the morning app, so they broke a window to get in. Um, and I had a basically a a huge open window all night long. I covered with the trash can and trash bags, but you know, I think that all the cold air pushed me over the edge and is what made me sick. Oh, that sucks. So yeah, I, I you know had a good time at the convention. Michelle Ruff, uh, I had was a great interview. Um, for the if you uh, Sue, do your do any of your grandkids watch anime? Um. You know, I don't know the answer to that. I actually think not. I think the college boy's too busy with frat life. And I know the 16-year-old doesn't and the 13-year-old doesn't. They're um, girls and they're just not into it. Um, my 11-year-old grandson would be the only one. The other guys are too little. And I've never asked him, but I will. I don't think he'd watch Bleach. Bleach is more of a teenage boy series. Yeah, um, he's not there yet. Yeah. Michelle Ruff voices Rukia Kuchki in that series, um, who is a great example of a strong female character in anime. Um, and this season, they brought Bleach back after like 10 years after it originally ended. And this season, um, Rukia, the character, um, experienced something that is a huge, you know, that it exemplifies huge growth. And that is she got what is called her Bankai, her final release. And I got to ask Michelle, I asked Michelle, what was it like? to finally be able to say Bankai as Rukia. And she gave a great answer, and I can't wait to share this stuff. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Adam. And uh, Adam Kuhn at Mastodon.world on uh, yes. on the Mastodon. Any other places? Radio for Humans? Um, I think I'm the Adam Hebert at Threads. Let me double check on that. I think you're on yes. All right. And, yeah. All right. Uh, but, you know, I will not be going back to the shitter. Hmm. Elon Musk can kiss my fa- the fattest part of my fat, white, liberal Italian-American ass. Did lower you... left cheek, no tongue or sexy biting. Yeah, I saw he I heard now he's going to turn it into a dating site. <laughs> <laughs> it was going to be your it was going to it was going to it was going to be your the, the hub of your entire financial life. And now it's going to be a dating site, and now it's worth uh, sixty-one, or it's lost sixty-one percent of its value since he bought it. <laughs> wow! And this reminds me of an episode of Batman in the animated series. You know, from back in the nineties. You know, Kevin Conroy, Mark Hamill as Joker. That animated series. Mm-hmm. And the episode that introduced the Riddler was called "If You're So Smart, Why Aren't You Rich?" Right <laughs> there, you go. Because some reason we've conflated the idea of being smart and being being rich, right? Elon Musk is the perfect proof of the fact that the more money you have, the dumber you are. Hmm. Well, there you have it, right there. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Adam. Joe, what's happening up Scranton Way? Well, comparatively, nothing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean. The highlight of my week is going to be cataract surgery. Oh, joy. <laughs> That's right. You Sorry. got that coming up. Actually. Huh? That's right. You got, that com- you got that coming up. 
Tuesday. 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 Good luck. Are you with doing you. both or one at a time? Well, I'm doing both, but two weeks. They want to do it two weeks apart. So my mom's. I have to tell you, both my parents who were in their 80s at the time sailed through it with both eyes. So I hope you have an easy time. Yeah, everybody. All, all most of my friends at my age have had it already. So, you know, I'm not. Uh, I'm not that concerned about it, but. Uh, It'd be nice to see out of my eyes again. Yeah. <laughs> You're so cute. Yes. So uh, that's about it. That's the highlight of my life uh, this week. And uh, so I want you to know, Tim, that uh, the clown car next week will be written by a blind guy. Okay. Okay. I might All do right. it in Braille. I don't know. But uh, we'll see. All but anyway, you can find me on uh, Mastodon and on Facebook and on WordPress. And that's it. Um that's my life in short. All right. Thank and you, long. Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> we wish so. you best of luck with your uh, surgery this week. And, yeah, thank uh, you. All right. And uh, Tim Cornwall hailing from the great state of Pittsburgh, where I will be voting on Tuesday. I believe you've already voted, Joe. And, uh, I did. We, I we have, voted. We have a very important su- Pennsylvania Supreme Court race between oh, yes. between a pro-abortion, uh, a pro- pro-choice Democrat and a anti-choice mm-hmm. Republican, mm-hmm. and also we have a, a, a race here in Pittsburgh for our county executive, which I guess is kind of like the mayor, but it's at the county level. And uh, they're saying, I got several news alerts this week that they're saying that this race is actually going to be a bellwether to watch for the 2024 elections, and it's between Sarah Enola, I believe the Democrat, and some guy, a Republican named Rocky something. And they've been running these these ads about, oh, Sarah's too, she's too liberal for Pennsylvania, for Allegheny County, which makes me want to vote for her even more. So, So, uh, by by the way, Tim, I I hate to set Sue off uh, this early, (laughs) but um, did you see the shock poll this morning? Uh, What's that? In the New York Times. All no. the times. No, what, oh, what is that? Please, they, they have to. They just can't. They just well, can't help themselves. Here, here, here it is. Here it is. The shock poll went like this: um, Biden is losing five of the six uh, swing, swing state? states, uh-huh. including Pennsylvania, uh-huh. by a lot. Oh, okay. And he he is losing. Get this: young votes, black votes. Hispanic votes, everything. And were there like 15 people in the poll? All Republican? <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm perplexed. Who would want... There's the polling company calling you right now, Joe. <laughs> yeah, no, they're not calling me. Who would want... Uh, who would want... I don't get it. Like, what did Trump do between 2020 and 2023 that people voted against in 2020 and now like in 2023? Right. Yeah, like no, he got it's just nicer. Well, like what? What? Where are these polls? Who are they polling? What questions are they asking? I mean, I'm reading this in the New York Times, Siena, and he's losing in every demographic, every demographic, and I'm saying 22 percent of black voters are going to vote for Trump. Right. I just don't really because it, no. they want want to be sent back to Africa. Which right. is his intent. Right. I mean, like, I just I don't, don't believe I don't get this. It. Well, and this, this, then there was this other poll. They're just all over the place. 
Because there was another well, poll. They, you know, the thing is, they're not all over the place. They're all saying the same thing. Trump won this election already. Don't bother no, voting. That That's right. Don't vote. That's the only way we well, can be sure. You saw, you saw Trump told his voters, his own people at the rally not to vote. <laughs> so so um, let us go with the daily reminder. Do y'all want to say with me? All, all polls are... are Bullshit. 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 Yes. Yeah. Well, you um, know, Keith Oberman was talking about this other poll that was showing that like 63% or so of people poll when they polled them and asked if Biden was too old to run for president, they said both Biden and Trump were too old for president to run for president. And then when they asked those those that 63% who they would vote for, something like 75% of them said that they would vote for Biden over Trump. So oh, no, yeah, we're well, not going to show that. We're not showing that one. Not, right. Well, let me let me tell you something. And also, this thing about Kamala Harris uh, not being a, a quote unquote dynamo. Well, what fucking vice president has been dynamos? Well, I mean, just I was right before we got on to do the show. I was watching Jen Psaki interview um, Stacey Abrams, and they, and she flat out asked her. She said, "If if Kamala Harris was a white man, would she be getting the same criticism?" That she's getting as a black woman, and she said, "Absolutely not." No, uh, exactly. exactly. But I mean, these 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 polls. I mean, you want Trump? No, that's your alternative. Are are, are you serious? That's like the stupidity of you know Arab Americans now saying that they're not going to support uh, Biden because after all, it was only Ryan Zinke and a couple of other Republicans who just put out a new ban. They want to ban all Palestinians from coming into the country right. because the Muslim ban, you know, this is Muslim ban 2.0 and you schmucky Arab Americans, you're really going to say, I'm going to trust the Republicans and then anyone you love will either be thrown out of this country, put into a camp and no one else will be allowed to come. But, you know, and they'll have a unitary executive who will now control the Congress and the, the courts and you will have no voice whatsoever. But sure, you're mad at Biden because he dares to support the right. only democracy in the entire Middle East. Go ahead. Cut your nose to spite your face. Yeah. Hey, Joe, one, Joe, I, I, I'm, I'm convinced that I haven't been recruited uh, by no labels as a white guy to primary Joe because I'm not mediocre enough. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's just you know, the, so the other thing is Larry Sabato. If there's one person I think has some credibility in the poll game from the University of Virginia, Larry Sabato. So I should make him my Twitter friend of the week, right? Instead of Malcolm. But um, he's worth following because he just was like, ho hum, another day, another stupid poll. Keep calm and carry on. Right. And that's exactly that's exactly it's a year out. Nobody knows what the next year is going to bring. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely well, right. The, the thing is. And then on CNN, the media, they, they, they drive me nuts. They latch onto a narrative, and they won't let it go no matter what what the contradictions are. And one of the – I don't know if it was Dana Bash or somebody on CNN said, and I quote, Yeah, Trump is old too, but he presents younger. Uh -huh. What? No. Have yeah. you listened to him lately? He's he's lost his mind. Yeah. He presents is, younger. What the fuck does that mean? This is just agitprop propaganda. 
you know. Yes. But I mean, I mean, this isn't Fox News. This isn't Newsmax. This is CNN. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. CNN. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. It there is you go. Fox News. There you answered you go. your own question, and, and, and that's and, what makes them. That's what makes corporate media so pernicious, because mm-hmm. we already know. We know if it's Fox. We know if it's if it's Newsmax. If we know it's coming out of the right wing, the DC Examiner, or any of those rags. We know where the bias is, but when the mainstream, you know, mainstream has buys into it. And what I've been writing lately is Biden could cure cancer, make a lasting peace in the Middle East, reverse global climate change. And MSM would still find fault, call him too old and then show a poll saying he's losing. Exactly. 14 million new jobs, 14 million new jobs in less than three years. And they trust the first Trump time in history in this world. They trust yeah. Trump more than Biden on the economy. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So but number one thing is that the media, the news media's media needs the horse race. If it right. if it looks like Biden is going to win in the landslide, people are going to start tuning out. They want Trump on that wall. They need Trump on that wall because he gets them ratings. Mm-hmm. Right. They think that if they go easy on him, that he's not going to put them in irons and throw them in a brick. That's right. Well, wrong. You know, like NBC with that stupid Meet the Press interview, they think they honestly think that if they if they, you know, give him the hand, Joe, he's not going to start throwing journalists in jail. Right. It's not the way it's with these schmucks. Well, look at Project 2025. But anyway, you can follow me, uh, Tim Cormall, on all the social medias <laughs> except for the Twitter. And we're on Apple, Google and Amazon podcasts and on Netroots Radio. 6.30 a.m. Eastern and 7 p.m. Eastern on Mondays. Thank you, Justice, and on Radio for Humans, Mondays and Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Eastern and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Thank you, Adam. Got a great Facebook page that uh, Joe runs for us, and uh, let's go ahead and do follow me because we're already 40 minutes in the show. Follow me on YouTube. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Instagram. Follow me on Pinterest. Follow me on Twitch. Follow me on MySpace. What the hell is MySpace? Follow me on Musical.ly. Follow me on Reddit. Follow me on the sidewalk. Follow me on the road. Follow me on WhatsApp. Follow me on Daily Motion. Follow, 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 follow. <laughs> Go ahead, Sue. Who's your social media friend this week? My buddy, Malcolm Nance. Yes. At Malcolm Nance, fighting the good fight on Twitter. And he's on the other some of the other platforms, but he doesn't really post there as much. He has 36 years in U.S. intelligence. He's an expert on, and I don't know what this means, M-E-N-A slash S-W-A terrorism, U.S. extremism, dead Russians. He's a best-selling author. author. He's written five books, and everyone should been, should have been paying attention to them. Um, because in 2016, uh, in July of 2016, his first book was The Plot to Hack America, which was completely prescient and, tr- and proved true, was ignored. He was a Navy senior chief. Uh, he's a Ukrainian legionnaire. He puts his mouth, his, his body where his mouth is. He spent uh, almost a year in Ukraine working with the legion, the uh, legionnaires. And he has 15 years of Middle East intelligence experience. So he's somebody who is accurate, knowledgeable, and fair, and he does not pull his punches, which I respect immensely. If you're not following him, and he's a regular on Stephanie's show, on Stephanie Miller's show, but he also has a sub stack, which I highly recommend people. It's called Black Spy Man. Um, He's amazing. He's amazing. All right. Love Malcolm Nance. He's great. All right. Malcolm Nance on Twitter. All these links will be in the show notes. And let's go to Adam. Uh, my social media friend of the week is someone I had the 
pleasure, the honor of interviewing at Anime Week in Atlanta last uh, last week. And that is Michelle Ruff. As I mentioned before, she's the voice actress for Ruki Akuchki and Bleach, Luna the Cat in the new dub of Sailor Moon. She is all over the anime scene. If you've watched anime, you've heard her voice. I guarantee it. And the reason why I pick her is because she is such – she and her husband were such amazing people towards me. Um, I went to her line when it was short to introduce myself, and her husband gave me a free um, card to get her autograph because I guess I made such a good impression. So um, she is. Uh, she also posts amazing cat pi- pictures of her sphinx, Luke Skywalker. Um, <laughs> And apparently he's growing little tufts of fur because they do that during the winter months, which I did not know. All right. All right. Michelle Ruff, VO1 on Twitter. And let's go to Justice. My social media friend of the week in these perilous times is Sherilyn Eiffel at Eiffel Justice ah. at Mastodon.social. Of course, we know her as a civil rights attorney, a law professor, and former president and director counsel of the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. Now, you know, I I grew up watching her mom on PBS. Mm-hmm. So uh, when she, Cheryl, uh, Cheryl started, Sherilyn started uh, making her way up through the ranks of the NAACP, I thought that was rather grand. She's been on fire recently. And she would be a great follow. So do follow Sherilyn Eiffel at Eiffel Justice at Mastodon.social. She's also on, you know, Twitter and everywhere else, too. So, All right. Thank you, Justice. All these links will be in the show notes, like I say. And we'll go to Joe. <clears throat> well, my uh, social media friend of the week is Stephen Colbert. Uh, Why? Yeah. <laughs> because it's the only way I'm going to get through this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Is with the late night shows. We watch every one of them every night. We tape them all, and then we stay up until we go to bed, and we'll watch them all. <laughs> and I got to say, they're having a slam bang up time. As a matter of fact, Jimmy, uh, uh, not Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy uh, the other Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy Kimmel. Kimmel uh, actually thanked uh, the uh, House of Representatives for not ejecting George Santos. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, I have to say, yeah, it's 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 good comedy. But um, anyway, they get me through, and as you know, that's where I get my news, because as I told you, I just look for the Chiron that Trump is dead. If it doesn't say that, I just go to the tennis channel for the rest of the day and hope for bulletins that he died. But you know what? Uh only the good die young. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But anyway, Stephen Colbert. Stephen at home. So, uh, Joe, you have exquisite taste. And let me just add, you know that Colbert and Seth Meyers and Jimmy Kimmel and Jimmy Fallon started a podcast called Strike mm-hmm. Force 5. Yes, yes. And yes, during the they, uh, strike, yeah. So to, and the, all the profits from the, from the podcast are going to their workers during the writer's strike. Mm-hmm. So um, they ended up, they... After seven episodes or around the six episode mark, they ordered a whole bunch of merch. And then by episode seven, the strike had settled. So they are desperate to get rid of merch. But um, and then their last episode in the podcast was episode eight. 
Now, we were driving home from Jersey, so we finally put one on, and episode six had John Stewart as a guest. Mm-hmm. So we listened to the we will we will be listening to every one of the eight episodes, but the one with John Stewart, I just have to tell you, we laughed so hard for the hour that we had to stop at Maryland House to go pee because the two <laughs> of us were losing control of ourselves. <laughs> they are as each one of them is brilliant in their own right. When they're riffing off each other. I can tell you no better tension release, no better way. I'm 100% with you. We also take the show. Even if we don't make it to 1135, we'll always watch it the next day. All right. Well, yeah. So anyway, Stephen Colbert and, uh, yep, gets me through the day. All right. I'll put the link on Instagram. Uh, Stephen, Stephen at home on Instagram. And, uh, Joe, I sent you a meme last night. <laughs> it was hilarious. It was a bunch of students in a class, and each one of them had an ass on their desk. And they're, oh, pra- yes, they're practicing saw. kissing the ass. And it says Trump, yes. su- Trump supporter tryouts. <laughs> 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 oh, it was great. But my, uh, so well, that's where they did that poll. Right, yeah. There you go. So my social media friend this week is Glenn Kirshner. Love him on threads. He, I'm, I'm linking him to threads. Host of Justice Matters with Glenn Kirshner Podcast, MSNBC and NBC News legal contributor, former federal prosecutor. And um, I picked him because he published or he commented um, on on threads a, a, a from the Hill. It says, Mark Meadows sued by book publisher over false election claims. And he just said, hello, karma, my old friend. <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, I just thought that was great. So, you know, how stupid do you have to be to take a $350,000 book advance and, and what was it, 700000 or, or 600000 was the expected book sales? Yep. And then, and then lie <laughs> in the book and then this gets sued for... Not only for the three hundred fifty thousand dollars advance, but also because the sales died when when the news came out that he told the special counsel the opposite of what was in the book, and then now they're suing him for the books that didn't sell, as well as one million dollars for defamation. <laughs> so. which, which I got to tell you, in in the publishing game, <clears throat> that would that that wouldn't be unusual at all well, what well, the publisher is doing what is unusual i might add is that this publisher isn't some woke libby press they're a total right-wing organ exactly. and metals pissed them off so much they're suing them like one like point for seven, everything 1.7 <laughs> million dollars man <laughs> god yeah yeah let me let, as as the official bookseller of the tim cormel show come to come to brendashbooks.com and find us um let me explain how this happens Right-wing publishers, usually Regnery and some of these other right-wing publishing, they all publish these books, whether it's Don Jr.'s, any of these right-wing, hardcore conservative, they publish these books and they immediately deep discount them or give them away. If you right. donate to a candidate, they'll give you a free copy. Push it up on the New York Times 80- reader list. Yep. Yeah, and the 80, because they're driving up the Amazon and the best, so once it's on the bestseller list, they can brag about it even though the books have just been bought, they buy them in bulk. And then what happens is within the month, they end up on the remainder shelves and even signed copies simply languish 
Um, I can walk into any used bookstore and see multiple copies of books by Newt Gingrich and any of the other right wingers. Um, uh, Sarah Palin is a joke. They're selling a signed copy of her book, whatever it was for a buck. It sits there and they languish. And when they've languished long enough, they're packed up, put on pallets and brought down to these corporate big recycling bills at bins and they're pulped. Yep. So just like polls, bestseller numbers are meaningless. Yep, and uh, I believe Tucker Carlson sold a, a whole 3,000 copies of his book. So uh, I think his is about to pulp now. <laughs> oh, I think it's already 20, been 2,900 <laughs> of them are from his ma. Right, there you go. <laughs> all right, anyway, so we'll give all of our social media friends the applause. And Sue, I got this book for you because I know, Joe, we can't stand Jake Tapper. <laughs> uh-huh. But... Uh, He actually did a really good rant here. The degree to which some folks only pretend to care about anti-Semitism when they can weaponize it never ceases to amaze. Allow me to tell you about a brand new House Republican resolution to censure Democratic Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib of Michigan, the first Palestinian-American woman in Congress. Now... Accusations of anti-Israel and anti-Semitic statements from Tlaib are not exactly new, and I'm just talking about from her fellow House Democrats. Attention on Tlaib refocused after the explosion at the Baptist Hospital in Gaza a week and a half ago. The Hamas-run Palestinian Ministry of Health immediately blamed Israel for what they called a strike while Israeli and eventually U.S. intelligence ultimately suggested it was more likely from a misfired Palestinian rocket. Despite all the new evidence, Tlaib waited more than a week to add a clarification to her tweet that others have raised doubts about the claim. She did leave her original tweet up. She got a lot of criticism from fellow Democrats. And you might be sitting there thinking, okay, I can see why that might bother even outrage people. But are House Republicans really in a position to censure Tlaib. I mean, the leading Republican presidential nominee, Donald Trump, I mean, he dined with Holocaust deniers. Donald Trump posted a screed accusing liberal Jews of, quote, voting to destroy America and Israel last Rosh Hashanah to nary a peep from any House Republican leaders. I mean, let's just take as an example, oh, I don't know, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia. I mean, Greene spoke at the white supremacist conference run by Holocaust denier, racist, anti-Semite Nick Fuentes, who participated in that hateful 2017 Charlottesville rally. Now, Greene later said she didn't know Fuentes' views, although they were pretty well known. Right. This is the same Marjorie Taylor Greene who has pushed the great replacement theory in videos, the deranged notion that rich Jews are trying to replace white Americans and Westerners with blacks and brown Muslims. Not to mention, of course, her Jewish space laser conspiracy that a consortium including, yes, wealthy Jews were using lasers on satellites to start forest fires. Here in Israel... Green has gotten some attention for belittling the Holocaust by tweeting, quote, Joe Biden is Hitler with the hashtag Nazi Joe has got to go. 
and for saying that then-Speaker Nancy Pelosi's House floor mask mandate was an abuse, just like how Jews were, quote, put in trains and taken to gas chambers in Nazi Germany. Under fire, Green visited the Holocaust Museum and apologized. So let me tell you something. You're never going to believe who the Republican offering this motion to censure Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib is. I want you to take a guess. Ah, who? Go ahead. Take a guess. Uh, That's right. <laughs> it's Marjorie Taylor Greene. Right? And it gets worse because when you read Greene's resolution, you realize it is A, written by someone who seems to have learned about the Arab-Israeli conflict maybe 10 minutes before. Right. Who maybe didn't even have access to Wikipedia. And B, while there are plenty of valid criticisms of Congresswoman Tlaib, this resolution twists a bunch of things that she said beyond recognition. And C, the resolution seems much more focused on January 6th than it does on October 7th. Throughout its pages, Marjorie Taylor Greene describes this act of civil disobedience from a bunch of left-wing Jewish groups that are critical of Israel's government, this act as an insurrection. This is not an insurrection. It might be a bunch of folks with whom you disagree. It might be a bunch of people you think are misguided, acting in a way you don't like. But this is not an insurrection. Anti-Semitism is not a cudgel to be used against people for political points. Nor is Islamophobia or racism, or anti-gay behavior, or misogyny, or, or any other kind of bigotry. Just over three weeks ago, 1,400 people, mostly Jews, mostly civilians, were slaughtered here in some of the cruelest and most unimaginable ways in the deadliest day for Jews since the Holocaust. This shit is not a game. Amen. Amen. That's right. This shit is not a game, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Can I add something also here real quick? And Sue, let me know if I'm stepping over bounds here. But as someone who is not Jewish but only has family who are Jewish, if you're not Jewish and you're wearing a talit and a yamuk, and hanging a mezuzah on your door, don't do that. Right. <laughs> exactly. So it's a talit and a yarmulke. Yeah. Well. Or a kippah. It's much easier for non-Jewish people to say kippah, K-E-P-A-H, kippah. Um, but it, but you did it great. You did fine. And he, here's what I'd like to add. The two things is um, she needs to shut the fuck up because she also thinks Robert E. Lee was a founding father. Oh, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. She really has shit for brains. Yeah, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. She's just ignorant and stupid. And it is one thing about these Magamorans. They love to let their stupidity just soar. They, without an ounce of humility, an ounce of anything... But I will repeat um, what Jake is saying, and I'm, I'm very pleased that he, he was that strong. It is important to remember, look at facts. What was facts saved me. Okay, the fact is in the entire Congress of the Republicans in Congress, there are two Jewish Republicans. There are zero Republican senators who are Jewish and two 
members of the House in all of that. Why? Because we pay attention. We know who the Republican Party is. We know who Paul Gosar is. We know who Louis Gohmert is. We know that basically they leave their fucking white hoods in their offices. Mm-hmm. And yep. these guys are anti-everything but white. They prove every day that there is no such thing by like white superiority, a la Marjorie shit for brains. But they still think they're the superior people. And it is hilarious when you can actually level them. If they're if Jewish people and APAC is not a pro-Israel group, they're a pro-war group. People need to know the distinction between a group or or Republican Jews, which is a contradiction in terms. Yes. Well, you know, so yeah. so we learned a new term last week, and it was about uh, uh, when politicians make up something to try to scare people, like Ted Cruz huh? making up the fact that Joe Biden's trying to limit people to two beers a week. It's just <laughs> made up garbage. That the term yeah. for that is now called political pickleball. <laughs> Pickleball. Oh, good, good, good. Yes. <laughs> because all pickleball is a made-up sport. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, don't like get me, and don't get me started on pickleball. Don't get me started on cornhole either. I hate the idea of cornhole. So stop it. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so George Conway was on uh, Morning Joe here. Joining us now, let's see what George Conway right. thinks about this. Attorney and contributing columnist at the Washington Post, George Conway. Am I wrong in my analysis that he's showing up at this civil fraud trial a lot because this one gets him where it really hurts? Mm-hmm. You think? Yes, I, I fundamentally agree with that. I think it's even more, in a way, it's even more fundamental. This puts him out of business. This case is putting that's him out I mean. of business. Even yeah. if, yeah, absolutely. And that's that's his that, that's his essence. And I, I, I mm-hmm. think that he's just he's terrified that you know he's not going to have the Trump Tower, and he's not going to have all the things that he has bragged about for decades for his yeah. sixty you know for six decades are going that's going to be gone and um he won't be able to run a business and the question is how much money is he going to be allowed to keep from that and that's that to him is that's striking at the core of donald trump so yes, i'm just yes. a random question when you're fined ten thousand dollars by a judge do you have to actually give that money the next day do you have time can you put it on a credit card how does that work well, I, I think I think I saw some correspondence in the in, in, in the in the news media that was reported that that, that Alina Haba's firm actually wrote the check on behalf of Trump and submitted it to the uh, client protection fund or whatever the order required in New York. So he he has paid that. I mean, obviously, it's just it, at this point, it's just symbolic Pennies. and yeah, trivial to Donald Trump at this point. But the fact is that after a while, um, you know, mm-hmm. if he keeps engaging in this conduct, attacking Judge Justice Engeron and his law clerk, um, he, he could actually be, you know, sent to the tombs or somewhere um, with the, the main, you know, the main jail in New York City. But, but we'll see how that goes. I'm not sure. How, how would you put a former president in, in lockup in New easily. York City uh, with secret easily. service? I mean, I would, the reason I ask about the money is because I'm not sure how possible that is. And so maybe they could put him under, tell him to stay home or something. But uh, the bigger question is, could those fines get bigger and bigger and bigger as he misbehaves? Yes, the fines can get bigger and bigger as he misbehaves. I mean, one, 
one method that has been used by courts in the past to enforce uh, criminal contempt sanctions uh, uh, or civil, civil contempt sanctions mm -hmm. is to keep increasing the fines geometrically, uh, you know, 1,000, 10,000, 100,000. Right. And he, he, uh, Justice Engeron could keep ramping, ramping those figures up. Um, he certainly has a record to do that, um, mm -hmm. having basically had, the, had Trump violate the order multiple times under right under the just the judge's nose in the courthouse right well i say, i still say it shouldn't be the judge's problem about how to deal with the secret service you send them to jail and let the secret service figure it out exactly that's their, that's their job what's not, the problem not the judge's it's problem. my understanding there is some secret service who might be in should be in jail with him yeah right. like i said just just incarcerate those guys and they can be a security detail there you go right that dog knows what he's doing. Right. I always trust dogs more than I trust people. Right. <laughs> then George Conway went on Jen Psaki and said this. His adult children are all going to testify over the next nine days. You've followed him a long time. I mean, you've watched him. How do you think this is all impacting him psychologically? Well, you can see it. You can see it in the clips. He's making mistakes. He's he's babbling incoherently even more than usual. Yes, he is. This is really striking as, as your intro pointed out at the heart of his persona. I mean, this is who he was. He was the mogul. He was he was the mogul with the apprentice. And he had he, you know, he's been that in New York for you know 50 years. And now it's coming crashing down. He's already been found um, to have committed fraud, that the, the mm -hmm. that his books and records, his statements of financial condition are false, and, and the judge has already ruled that there was no triable issue of fact on whether or not they were false. And as a result, you know, the judge said, ordered that his, the Trump's and the Trump organization's ability to do business in the state of New York um, should be invalidated. And that puts him out of business, which means he's going to have to liquidate everything, including places like Mar-a-Lago, yes. which are owned by New York LLC. Um, and that, but then the question of well, how much of the proceeds of those sales, when he go, has to be put out of business, um, go to the state of New York, and that's what this is about. And it tells you a lot. Yeah, that, I mean, it, what tells you a lot here is the witness list. Who's calling these witnesses? Yes. The state is calling Eric, Don Jr., Ivanka, and Donald himself which tells you something. They don't have a story. They don't have a story to explain the two sets of books that mm. Alan Weisselberg kept them, where you're reporting one thing to uh, the tax authorities, reporting another thing to banks or for, you know, for, the, or for bragging purposes. And it, it's it, the, the documents that, as the judge said in his opinion, the do, it's a document case. And the documents, well, the, some of the documents had lies, but they don't lie about the fact that they show that it was all fake. All of it. So let's go just back to what could potentially happen here. Because when you just said Mar-a-Lago could be liquidated, I think people might be like, wait, what? Because yep. isn't he rich? Um, so what? he's already been convicted of fraud here. But, but what the, the total size of this, it sounds like your view, your belief is that he could have to sell a lot of his assets. Yep. He doesn't have liquid well, funding to pay this. Right. He can't. In other words, he'd have to he cannot operate a business in the state of New York if, if Judge uh, Justice Engeron's decision so far stands. He's, 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 he will lose his certificate for, to the extent he has foreign corporations or foreign entities, um, I mean, meaning out-of-state entities, doing business in New York. Their, their right to do business in New York is canceled, as is the certificates of incorporation of the various LLCs and companies that he himself owns that are incorporated in New York. So he can't do business. And then, he, so the, the answer is that the result will be that everything's put into receivership and has to be sold. And, and it, obviously the shareholders will get their money, except to the extent that this trial 
finds that some of the money should go to the state. So he, it, you know, this is a very, very, this is a, this is a, this is a death blow huge, to, huge. to to Trump's business. Here you go, right? <laughs> oh, yes, I might please, add that. Please, oh, please. Go ahead, Justice. I was going to say I might add that uh, Melania was seen in public with uh, Trump for the first time in like months and months and months. Right. Yeah. And I thought, well, that only means one of two things. Either she's got a cash settlement from the prenup or <laughs> in Trump's attempt to keep his property from being taken over by the state of New York, he signed over everything to her and Vlad. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, actually in oligarch uh, Russia, that's sort of what happens. Well, I keep saying I can't wait till they dissolve the LLC that owns this plane, so he has to take uh, Delta with a change in Atlanta to get to his trials. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. And he can't even get into business class. Right? Yeah. And then uh, here, yeah, coach for you, you little Trump's own Trump's own uh, lawyer here, uh, Ty Cobb. Ty, one other thing I wanted to ask you about, just as a, as a quick follow here before we go on on the point about the gag order. What do you think is sure. next, right? I mean, so the gag order went away for nine days. It gets reinstated. He says these things about Bill Barr. What he got fined $10,000 uh, for him, that's, you know, pennies. And no matter what his real wealth is, it's still pennies. Um, so what, 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 where does he end up on this? Well, the New York judge fined him $10,000. That's in a civil case. You know, that's not as consequential as Judge Chutkin's case. I think yep. Judge Chutkin, um, you know, prudently allowed Trump to try to persuade her to extend the gag order. Uh, she concluded, you know, on the basis of his conduct this week, not to do so. <laughs> and uh, I think she'll come in with a much heavier uh, uh, penalty. And ultimately, I think he'll, you know, spend a night or a weekend in jail. Mm, you think? Wow. I think it's going to take that. I think it will take that to, you know, to stop him. Wow. That'll be an incredible thing to actually see happen. But you think that's where it goes? I do. I don't. Honestly, I really don't. I don't. But Tim, would you promise us maybe we'll have a special edition of the podcast if he actually ever walks into a jail cell and he's locked <laughs> behind him? Right. There you go. Right. So party, you know, it'll be a party and special edition. Yeah. I, I, I have a totally big imagination, and I can totally imagine it. In fact, we used to say that all reality once was dream. So if you don't dream it, it won't be true. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so anyway, uh, so as we've been saying the last few weeks, that uh, the cheese has slipped off of off of Trump's cracker here. Uh, Morning Joe called out uh, some of his most recent gaffes. Does that mean that if Russia attacks my country, you will not be there? That's right. That's what it means. I will not protect you, Viktor Orban. Did ever anyone ever hear of him? He's probably like one of the strongest leaders anywhere in the world, and he uh, he's the leader of. Right, he's the leader of Turkey. He's a very strong man, yeah, as you Turkey know. Turkey guy's hungry, hungry, and he's the boss. There's no doubt about it. Hungry fronts on both Ukraine and Russia. If you spill a drop of American blood, we will spill a gallon of yours. You know, Hezbollah is very smart. They're all very smart. Hezbollah and Hamas. Hamas. Has anyone ever heard of Hamas? <laughs> Hamas terrorists. I want a shield over our country. If you don't like our religion, then we don't want you in our country, and you are not getting in. What happened yesterday was incredible. I mean, well, so many people killed. Very big number. Very, very big number. And vicious, too. Vicious. Young children just slaughtered. It's terrible what's going on. So, Son of Donald Trump's... I mean, Hamas? 
It's out of an Ali G skit. Where <laughs> Ali G says, I like hummus. You, you, you put the dip in it and you can Stop. eat carrots with it. It's just horrible. Hummus. But everything he, he's is lost. So, is he that? He's lost. That's some of Donald Trump's greatest hits on foreign policy, domestic policy. Problems with the fact we didn't even show you who he thinks he's running against. <laughs> or where he, he thinks he is. Or where he thinks he is. I mean, he got that wrong in Iowa. He did. He thought he was South Dakota. Yeah. I mean, come on. He's in the wrong state. And aid had to tell him. Sir, it's okay. actually. Sir, yeah. sir, uh, uh, so joining that. us now. It's really tough. I mean, to, to keep up with that and keep up who you're running against who you beat, who you lost to. He still thinks he's running against Barack Obama, but he's not one of the people he's running against. And maybe the reason why he doesn't know is because he won't debate him is uh, in the Republican primary, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. What do, you, what, do you, what do you think? You've known Donald a long time like us. Do you think when he gets up there and he freaks out, he can't remember Joe Biden's name? I mean, because you see him struggling. Yeah, I, and, by, and by the way, I, I, Biden does it too. Yep. So I, Biden does it what? too. So people, whenever you say this, go, well, Biden does it. Well, yeah, okay, he does. They're both old men, and they're right. both doing it. But but he keeps saying he's running against Barack Obama, and you see him struggling up there trying to remember what decade he's in. And <laughs> he just, what, what do, you, do you think it's the pressure of, just no of 91 counts? Oh, I think what do you think it is? Yeah, I think it's the stress of... Um, what he knows is coming uh, in his criminal problems. And I think this week, because a lot of that stuff was from the last week. Yeah. That's all post Mark Meadows. And, and, and I think everybody that's watching needs to understand from somebody who did this work for seven years, you don't give Mark Meadows immunity unless the evidence he has is unimpeachable. Oh, yeah. There you go. Hey, uh, why, don't, why don't they ever ask Chris Christie about how he was in the ICU for 10 days after uh, Trump gave him COVID while he was coaching him for the debate right he, he might have to uh, put yes. up with it again for in a new trump administration you right. just well, he's going to be first in line you know that mm. yeah. i just want to point this out the reason why uh shitler keeps talking you know talking about being up against press obama is he he has a lot of animosity for president obama because remember obama made fun of him over the birther thing at the um at the yeah white house when mm-hmm. yeah. he that is what made him decide to run. It wasn't because he loves America. It's because he's a vindictive child. That's right. Yep. Also, exactly this, right. You know, Morning Joe. You know, I have to tolerate him. I wish. I, I really wish. I really wish that Mika would just kick his ass and she could take over, <laughs> and then <laughs> I could watch the show with impunity. But regardless, <laughs> um, this whole thing about well, Joe does it too. You mean? Suffering from a stutter right. and overcoming it, and every now and then he mumbles. Right. As compared to this, whatever it is, this a brain aneurysm or something. I mean, look at what Joe's been doing on the world stage, and he doesn't go out there and trumpet his accomplishments. Look at the economy. I mean, I, know. I don't understand why people keep saying they're disappointed with the economy. When it's so good, they go, "Oh, unemployment! The unemployment numbers are so low; it's bad." Right, and the what? St- I mean, it's just crazy. But uh, anyway, um, so Joe, to set you up here for the clown car, I know we're running a little late on this, uh, but uh, Jen Saki. So let's take a few minutes to talk about this new speaker. First glance, Mike Johnson does seem fine, fineish, conservative, yes, but he once started a civility caucus with a Democrat, and I mean, if nothing else, he wears a suit and has glasses. How threatening can this guy actually be? Well, 
He gave us all a little clue as to how he would govern in an interview this week. I am a Bible-believing Christian. Someone asked me today in the media, they said, it's curious, people are curious, what does Mike Johnson think about any issue under the sun? I said, well, go pick up a Bible off your shelf and read it. That's, that's my worldview. You heard that right. The Bible doesn't just inform his worldview, it is his worldview. In fact, during his first speech in his new job, Johnson suggested that his election as speaker was an act of God. Talk about a bit of a humble brag there. So what exactly has God apparently called on Mike Johnson to do? Well, his views on policy are essentially what you'd expect from a religious fundamentalist. They're more divisive than they are divine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's get started. What's that? So is what Mike Johnson's saying is that he believes that bats are unclean birds? Yeah, I guess in... Um that pi is three. That his worldview is when uh, Lot's daughters got their father drunk and, and had sex with him so that they could get pregnant with his children. <laughs> it's the cherry picked Bible, don't you know? Right, exactly. So we pick, the, we pick the ones that make us justify our hate and our anger and our misery and being miserable to everybody, and then we pretend we never heard of Jesus. Yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, Jesus never talked about hating, uh, you know, about abortion. He never talked about hating on, on LGBTQ people. Um, his philosophy, and I say Jesus was more of a philosopher than like a religious person. I Did mean, you, he was a faithful he was a faithful Jew. But I'm saying that he didn't promote a religion. He just said, "Don't be assholes." Exactly. Yeah. Did you see the uh, AI version of Jesus? They asked AI to draw Jesus. <laughs> And let's just say Marjorie Taylor Greene wouldn't be too happy about that. So, but <laughs> but anyway, Joe, we really see what's happening down in the clown car garage. Yeah, it's it's Sunday, and uh, time for your Bible lesson. All right. Let us pray. The Gospel according to the Book of Genesis. In the beginning. The earth was a formless void, sort of like Donald Trump. So God said, let's turn on the lights and see what we have here. And he saw it needed some sprucing up. So he made some trees and plants and oceans and said, that's enough for one day. I'm fucking exhausted. <laughs> on the second day, he thought the place could use some beasts. So he created a predator and called it Matt Gates, a gym rat to inhabit the trailer parks and called it Marjorie Taylor Green, And a mouthy monster with hands to grab onto men's crotches and called it Lauren Bulber. <laughs> a little concerned that he had made all these creatures after his gummies kicked in, God decided to call it a day and get some munchies and a Bud Light. On the third day, God made man and called him Johnson, Mike <laughs> Johnson to be specific, and gave him dominion over these creatures. Just a little concerned that he had one too many gummies the day before. But God saw that Mike was lonely and there was no way he could handle this job alone. And he took one of Mike's rotting teeth and created a partner for him and called her Karen. <laughs> More rest and another Bud Light. On the fourth day, God told Mike and Karen they could shop for food and stuff wherever they wished Except there's one rule. Treat every one of my creation as kindly as I have treated you. 
So, Mike and Karen took their pet snake and went shopping at Walmart. <laughs> While Karen was in the produce section, she saw a couple whose names were Carl and Roger. She was confused and asked, Where are your wives and why are they not shopping for your food? Carl and Roger looked at each other in puzzlement. Karen's pet snake looked up and told her, Karen, they're gay and are married to each other. You should call for the manager. And Karen called for the manager and yelled, Why do you allow gay people to shop here and touch my fruit? The manager explained that people of every race, religion, and sexual orientation are allowed to shop here. And this infuriated Karen, so she told Mike to leave his cart and they were going home. When they pulled into the driveway, God was waiting for them and was really pissed. He asked them, What have you done? You have broken the golden rule and hated your neighbors. So you will both now realize that you are naked and realize what a horrible sight that is. <laughs> I will cast you out of this nice house and send you out to live by the sweat of your armpits in the trailer park across the street with spare tires in your front yard in an old Ford 150 pickup truck. <laughs> and Karen will give birth to screaming rotten kids and Mike will have to empty the shitter every two weeks. <laughs> and now Mike, to his horror, was aware he was married to a Karen and told her to put on some clothes. On the seventh day, which conveniently turned out to be Saturday, God relaxed and soaked in Carl and Roger's jacuzzi, drinking Bud Lights and laughing at Mike trying to start his broken lawnmower while Karen screams at him to get in there and empty the shitter. <laughs> and God, Carl, and Roger chuckled and God said, He'll never start that lawnmower. I put water in the gas tank. <laughs> this is the word of the Lord and Carl and Roger. <laughs> There he is. I hope you were taking notes. Yeah. Yes, that was a great job. I have a feeling that uh, you know how they use the term in the Bible, and you shall know him. <laughs> that uh, <laughs> that uh, Mike uh, knew Carl and Roger a little bit better than. <laughs> Oh, wow. There's a lot of rumors happening. You know, going back to uh, Christy for a second, you know, Christy likes Steve Schmidt. They were all Republicans. I feel that way about Rick Wilson, and there's a number of them, Joe Walsh. They are never Trumpers. And people need to remember that never Trumpers are the enemy of my enemy is my friend. I'm happy to have them on board to expose Trump, to expose those who commit crimes with him and show them. But they're always going to be Republicans. Never trust them. Steve Schmidt, a week before he joined Dean Phillips' ridiculous vanity campaign, um, you know, was praising Biden to the hilt. Why it's so he's so great? How important it is to reelect him? And then he went, "Oh wait, there's someone who's moderate. I can earn money off of, scam some money off of." And all of a sudden, he's supporting, you know, the Gelato King or whatever the guy's name. Uh, who's we're just counting how many Scaramucci's before Phillips folds his campaign. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's Be just aware of these guys. They are not your friends. Liz Cheney is not your friend. Adam Kinzinger is not your friend. These are diehard Republicans who want their party back. 
but they're not. And so they're willing to do whatever needs to be done to get rid of the maggots and the Trumpers. But they're still Republicans. They want power. They still want to control women's bodies. They still want, you know, to tax the poor and not the rich. They don't want social programs or a social safety net. Beware. Be smart. Can, yes. Well, and can I say something about MAGA Mike real quick? Yes, go ahead. You know, he's the biggest advocate of his wife's cattle prod, gay conversion therapy right. franchises. Yeah, and, and, it's, just, and, and it shows. Just like Marcus, <laughs> just like Marcus Bachman, right? <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. So, uh, well, and you know what? Actually, um, uh, something was pointed out by um, – gosh, I'm just having a – Problem remembering her name. Uh, she used to hold office in Missouri, and she's got an account on oh, social Claire media. Claire no, 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 oh. no, no, no. A state state oh, office yeah. ran for school board and everything. But regardless, she pointed out that uh, the the wife and I'm what, what's her name again? Micah Mike's wife, Karen. <laughs> I don't remember. Aaron, yeah. <laughs> you know, I just keep thinking of uh, the Frank Zappa skit, uh, Billy Billy the Mountain. And and his wife was a little tree growing off of his shoulder. That's what she reminds me of. But she she affects what is known as the fundamentalist baby voice, which is submissive and and it's weird. But I got to tell you, I know what's going on there. Yeah, she's got the baby voice at daytime, but when the lights are off, she's uh, dressing up like a Nazi with a whip, <laughs> whipping old Mikey into shape. Yeah, well, uh, we'll see. Uh... You know, maybe she's putting Scary. the maybe she's got the strap on. <laughs> well, also, you know, this goes to something else that's fundamentally wrong about a fundamentalist. Instead of just accepting ourselves as who we are, we we have to conflict ourselves with some idea of guilt, mm -hmm. like there's something dirty about us, and so then we have to take it out on other people so it doesn't make us feel so bad because they're dirty too. Yes. And I, I just don't think that's the proper way to teach religion to people. Mm -hmm. But 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 I'm a romantic. Well, there you well I'm a Jew. And so, you know, I, the whole thing with Jesus in the Bible, I take, you know, I always laugh and say, you know, our Torah is the first five books and it's the Old Testament. That was enough for us. That was enough huh. rules and laws. We were done. And we spent the last 5,000 years doing interpretations of those damn books and reading them over and over and over, you know. It's not my thing. I'm not religious. I'm I'm much more ethnic than religious. And for me, since the Bible was basically brought, brought by men, since women's voices are basically negligible, I think 2% of the Bible is women are referred to themselves. They wrote, they say anything. I just rejected summarily because I don't know whose voice I'm hearing. It's like listening to what happened to the Osage in Oklahoma only through the white guys who raped and pillaged and murdered them. Uh, by by the dozens, you know. <laughs> I'm sorry, yes. I have a very jaded view of that whole religious thing. But at the end of the day, um, he lies. The thing about Mike Johnson is he's a serial liar. Uh, whether he's gay or not, where his money is, we know he was funded by three Russian oligarchs. One in particular that was filtered through an American company. Yeah. He smells to high heaven. His stories do not check out, and. It is up to these journalists to do diligence now. He came in, and I'm glad it's him, because if it had been anyone even a tiny bit more moderate, there would have been some some people who would have said, 
you know, Republicans, some of them are okay. But by unanimously voting for this prick, and he is a prick, he's mm-hmm. a mean-spirited, he th- he said it is the obligation of every American woman to bear one, at least one able-bodied child. Well, fuck you, Mike. You shove a watermelon up your ass yep. and give birth. Right. Yeah. Yep, and, Nazis are still Nazis. Yeah. They and probably exactly. already did that. And this so. this whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's what this, I'm saying. This whole thing about him. I understand his colonoscopy was cattle prod. Cattle prod conversion isn't just touching your elbow. Yeah, I wonder if they pulled any Russians out of that colonoscopy, but <laughs> but uh, but this whole thing also, about so, so very quickly, I studied briefly for the priesthood and it was a little different than your religious upbringing and and studies even though as an altar boy we you know we had to learn latin and greek but uh our great ecclesiastical or philosophical question was um is it okay to kiss a nun and the answer is it's okay as long as you don't get in the habit mm-hmm. yeah. oh. oh there you go you had and to do it and then and, and then they said go out into the world and oh, i don't know prosper yeah well uh so this whole thing about his claim mike's claim that he doesn't have a bank account is bs yeah, because you that? you have to have a bank account for the government to direct to pay you because they only pay with direct deposit Oh, so. maybe it's his wife's uh, uh, unregulated check cashing uh, store right next to the church. Oh, they... yeah, maybe that's it. <laughs> so. But anyway, uh, so uh, Andrew Kaczynski was on with Aaron Burnett on CNN talking about him. Tonight, dangerous. That's how former Republican Congresswoman Liz Cheney describes the new House Speaker Mike Johnson. Cheney wants sharing an adjoining office with Johnson on Capitol Hill, so she knows him. And it comes as CNN's Cape File has uncovered details about Johnson's history with a group that promoted gay conversion therapy, a long debunked theory that gay people could be made straight. Here's some of what he said in the past. It's time for an honest conversation about homosexuality. There's freedom to change if you want to. CNN uh, K-File, Andrew Kaczynski, is out front. So, uh, Andrew, that's, um, you know, pretty unambiguous. But what else did you find? Yeah, so for years, uh, Johnson worked with this group called Exodus International on an anti-gay event aimed at teens. Now, Exodus was a leader uh, in what was called the ex-gay movement. We talked a little bit about it in that intro where they claimed that you could essentially uh, change somebody's sexuality through counseling, uh, through prayer. They basically treated uh, being gay as a mental illness. Now, Johnson uh, and this group, when he was a attorney at this socially conservative organization called the Alliance Defense Fund, collaborated on this event called the Day of Truth. And this was actually in response to a a pro-gay event called the Day of Silence. Um, It was to raise awareness about bullying uh, for gay teens. And then they launched this event the next day uh, in 2005 that was about basically they'd pass out cards. uh, They would tell people uh, (laughs) that you could change your sexual behavior. They pointed teens to their website. And this had... um, uh, links to Exodus's uh, uh, ministries, and we actually have some audio of Johnson talking about that event. Let's take a listen to it. Our race, the size of our feet, the color of our eyes, these are things we're born with and we cannot change. But what these, these adult advocacy groups like the Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network are promoting is a type of behavior. Homosexual behavior is something you do. It's not something that you are. No. 
I think we should note, too, that Exodus actually shut down in 2013. Their uh, founder issued a long apology apologizing for the hurt and pain that this sort of thing has caused. And we actually spoke to a former executive when we were working on this story uh, and he said that this sort of thing was very damaging for, for gay teens. So what else did you find on Johnson's record on gay rights? So homosexuality was a very, uh, it was a topic he talked about a lot. Uh, when that Lawrence hmm, v. Texas I? ruling came down in 2003, which threw out state sodomy laws, Johnson actually wrote to say that uh, he thought those laws should have stayed in place. He called homosexuality, uh, we reported last week, uh, inherently unnatural. He called it a dangerous lifestyle. Mm. Uh, He was very against same-sex marriage, and he actually said uh, it was going to bring down democracy, and then he said people would be marrying their pets, uh, like goldfish, cats, things like that. Um, And he even shared this sort of odd pseudoscientific or historical theory that the Roman Empire fell because Because of homosexuality. homosexuality. Uh, And we have a clip of that as well. Many historians, those who are objective, would look back and and, uh, and recognize and and, um, give some credit to the fall of Rome to not only the the deprivation of the society and the, the loss of morals, but also to uh, the rampant, you know, homosexual behavior uh, that was uh, condoned by the society. So we did reach out to Johnson's office. We asked about those clips. We asked, uh, is, does he still believe this stuff? Does he believe in conversion therapy? Uh, we didn't get a response from them. Of course you didn't. Yeah. Now I, I know the Vandals and Goths wore eyeliner, but they weren't necessarily gay. Well, he must be living in the 1980s. <laughs> Also, some of that stuff yeah, I, I think, he, I think he means the Greeks, not the Romans. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I, I just want to say um, raising teenagers is really hard. <laughs> okay. And those of you who have done it know I'm speaking the truth. And I'm on a second generation. You know, our guys are 2016, um, thir- almost 13 and 11. And then four and six, four and two, we have some time. We can put them aside in the preschool life. But it's really hard to raise teenagers. They truly struggle. And in this time in America, the kinds of mixed messages uh, coming back from COVID and just the pressures of school, the pressures of social media, and the idea that these bastards just make the choices or the way they feel, feel wrong or feel bad or get ostracized or get rejected actually makes me want to kill them and I don't I try to pretend I'm a peaceful person but when I see the harm the suicide rate and the harm these motherfuckers cause bastards just cause to children who are struggling with identity and autonomy and feeling Mm -hmm. authentic in themselves it just really you know they have no idea what they're talking about they don't know well, and to, shame on all of them. You know, everything that they said there, they used to say about another demographic, mm-hmm. and that was people who were left-handed. Yeah. Yep. They had conversion well, therapy for people who were yep. left-handed to teach and them they to use the that. same sort of techn- uh, operant conditioning mm-hmm. also, to, which is what, you know, when I made the joke about cattle prod gay conversion therapy, that in, in – these conversion therapies, they literally use cattle prods as operant conditioning and, you know, show you a gay image and then shock you. 
Yeah, teachers supposed to. Teachers used to beat students for writing with their left hands. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's true. Yeah. So, so Sue, you mentioned uh, yeah. Marjorie Taylor Greene earlier. <laughs> yes. And her uh, things thinking about uh, Robert E. Lee. So this was on the House floor. Thank you, Madam Chairman. I, I, my friend and gentlewoman from Maine may have mentioned that this affects all monuments. In this fact, it does not. Ryan Zink. As a former secretary, monuments are under the Antiquities Act. There's about 163, as I recall. Uh, this only pertains to monuments that commemorate the founding fathers of the United States on land under the jurisdiction. I don't recall how many monuments are to the Founding Fathers, but there's not many. I don't recall any being a safety issue. Matter of fact, I recall all of them being a part of our history and an important part of our history for all to learn. So this does not affect all monuments, nor the safety. What it affects is the, is the very essence of the country. I support this amendment. From Maine. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate the thoughts of the former Secretary of Interior, and I thank you for your service. Um, But I want to be clear. Uh, Let me read this back to you. There may have been an earlier version of this, but this one says, none of the funds made available by this act may be used to remove any monument on land under the jurisdiction of the Department of Interior. I reserve. From Georgia has one minute remaining. Madam Speaker, thank you. Actually, there should be no funds allocated to remove any monument, and there's no necessary reason to remove the monuments. This is the Democrat and the Biden administration's effort to erase our history, just as they have done to the statue of Robert E. Lee. This is an outrage. This is exactly what they do in communist countries, and the Democrats want to accuse us of book burning while we try to get pornography books out of our children's schools, the Democrats will do nothing to stop their attempts to destroy our nation's history, and we must protect it. I urge my colleagues to vote for my amendment, and I urge its passage. Thank you, Madam Speaker, and I yield. The gentlewoman from Georgia yields. The gentlewoman from Maine. So just to clear up a couple of things, my colleague mentioned the founding fathers. Robert E. Lee was not actually one of the founding fathers. He was a general of the Confederacy. That was the city of Charlottesville. That wasn't a national monument That when that statue was removed. And I, I just have to say, uh, I find it rich that the party that has supported book banning in our libraries, um, rewriting curriculum, not talking about our history over and over again, is the very one that is saying that we have to often keep painful monuments in places where they do damage, where they interfere with people's ability to enjoy the particular area that they're in and leave it to the Department of Interior to have that discretion. So if we're gonna get into talking about book banning and rewriting history, let's have an honest debate about it and talk about the differences between our two parties on this. I oppose this amendment and I yield back. Gentleman from Maine yields. The the question is on the amendment offered by the gentlewoman from Georgia. Those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Those opposed, no. No. In the opinion of the chair, the ayes have it. Request a recorded vote, Madam Chair. Pursuant to Clause 6, Rule 18, further proceedings on the amendment offered by the gentlewoman from Georgia will be postponed. Because nobody was there. (laughs) 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 Oh, my gosh. you know, what drives me nuts about this monument thing is um, traditionally losers don't get monuments. Yeah. Right? Um, 
you know, uh, when Japan kicked the Mongols' ass in the 1200s, they didn't erect a, st- a statue of Genghis Khan. When the Romans burned Carthage to the ground and sold the ground with salt so nothing would ever grow, they didn't build uh, a statue of Hannibal. Right. You know, losers get consigned to the dustbin of history. They don't get statues. Right. So fuck Robert E. Lee. Yes, I got great joy in watching the the clips of his uh, statue being melted down. <laughs> oh, that was, you know, and yeah, just but- for the record, it is illegal. It is not just un, uh, not allowed. I mean, it is illegal. Fines, jail in Germany. If you put up any Nazi memorabilia, there are. I always say, show me one statue of a Nazi, someone who was in the SS anywhere in Germany in a public setting and you can have your goddamn Confederate statues. But since it's illegal and they get taken down, they just they don't exist. Yeah. Uh, these people don't know what they're talking about. Again, she should be called shit for brains. Yes. And you know what? You know what flag the Nazis fly in Germany because they can't fly the swastika? Which the one? Confederate battle flag. There you go. There you that's go. why it's called. The, that's why it's called the Nazi uh, swastika, or the okay, uh, Confederate all, swastika. You got it all wrong. Oh, the Civil War was rigged. Oh, oh that's true. <laughs> yeah. Like, how oh, so, can we be so foolish as to remember? That's, that's, right. Right. Yeah. that's right. Yeah. Another civil war, you know, because they don't—they clearly don't understand how the last one ended. We came, we saw, we kicked your inbred asses, and we'll do it again. Yes, and, uh, and speaking of the Nazis, we saw that uh, Eric, uh, Don Jr. and Eric. Don Jr. first looked like he was coked up <laughs> to high heaven when he got on the stand. But uh, they both did the Sergeant Schultz. I know nothing. Exactly. Nothing. <laughs> I kept waiting for someone to pull out a candy bar. <laughs> oh, my God. They, they, there's nothing funnier than stupid people who think they're smart. And, oh, my God. And Eric has never floated concrete in his life. Give me a break. Well, yeah, right. And yeah. I have a very poor, sad. He said, I pour concrete. Uh-huh. I have a very sad cement on a for Eric. Um, your daddy will never love you. Right. Your daddy is incapable of loving anyone. There you go. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, waiting to happen. So yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens when uh, Trump and Ivanka have to testify this week. Oh, Ivanka. Oh, I can't show up to testify in court because it's a school week and my kids are in school and I can't. I just couldn't come to the court. You know, <laughs> give me a break. Did you see all the, all the photos of of uh, Jared and her on like these? Fabulous vacations and dinners and stuff. And says we're too busy during a school week. Right. Okay. <laughs> Jesus. I, I need to pull rank here. I need so, to pull. So Edgaron needs to issue a bench warrant, arrest her ass, drag her I in. I have to pull rank. Okay. I had three children in three different schools at times. Peter and I would hustle them out the door, get them to school. Then I would go to my school where I was in charge of 275 preschoolers and yep. he would go to work where he was in charge of a lot of teenagers with do with co-occurring disorders. And we never missed a parent event at night. We traded off when we had to. And you know who helped us? No, we didn't have $2 billion. Nobody. Nobody. You didn't have a nanny, did you? You didn't have an au pair. I didn't have a nanny. 
I didn't even have, it was a trial, trial to get babysitters. So I spaced my kids out so that my oldest could finally be old enough to watch the other two. So we could go to the parent nights. When the two girls were in high school, the one year they overlapped, Peter went to one set of parent night stuff. I went to the other night. And, you know, and meanwhile, I'm working full time with little people. This is garbage. You don't miss events if you don't want to. Right. And I, I am going to tell you something very honest. And I know you guys won't judge me. I did not go to Kim Kardashian's birthday party. Okay. Well, like Barry Trump did. I'm yeah. judging you. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I, uh, I want to uh, close out the show with this clip because this clip should enrage all of us. It should make us so mad that we go and we vote on Tuesday to vote this shit out. Because this is Morning Joe talking about this Trump rally. He then said this. Thank you very much. And you know what that was? That was, I call them the J6 hostages, not prisoners. I call them the hostages. What's happened? And it's a shame. So, Joe, there's Donald Trump calling the people who attacked the United States Capitol, who beat up police officers with American flags, who desecrated the people's house, calling them hostages. And it just have to say, as a patriotic person, to watch the president of the United States, the former president, stand there in front of American flags, saluting, saluting a group, that group of people who are in jail for what they did on January 6th. It's pretty repulsive. Well, and if you ask the families of the four police officers who died, they will tell you it was those people responsible for their deaths. It's those people that that took American flags, that our servicemen and women uh, have taken into battle for centuries to defend freedom here and across the world. They use those flags as 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 instruments of, uh, of death, uh, uh, hoping to kill officers. Um, uh, and and as you said, desecrated the people's house. And these are the people who tried to overthrow American democracy because they believe Donald Trump's lies. They believe Donald Trump's lies. And there we have police officers uh, being attacked from all sides, having their heads crushed indoors, police officers taken to the ground, having bear spray used against them. Uh, uh, just just uh, this is just, this, this is just pure, pure evil. And speaking of that, how deeply offensive that Donald Trump has now moved from calling these people, these these thugs. Uh, he's gone from calling them political prisoners to now comparing them to Jews who were ripped out of their homes. And uh, believe you me, there was no mistake. Jews ripped out of their homes on January the 7th, tortured, raped, beaten up, bludgeoned grandmother's throne on the back of, of uh, in, in the back of pickup trucks and taken underground by Hamas terrorists and and they're the hostages the whole world are talking about the hostages Jonathan Lemire and Donald Trump uses this time to compare those thugs that were beating up 
police officers with American flags to compare them to Jews uh, who uh, who were ripped from their homes, raped, beaten, uh, uh, so many killed, uh, but but also uh, so many taken to underground uh, tunnels uh, by a terrorist organization. Yes, and if that doesn't get you enraged, I don't know what will, because calling the the people who were convicted in, in court or pled guilty, calling them hostages instead of prisoners is just disgusting. And then having them sing the national anthem at the beginning of your of your freaking rally. And it's not even the national anthem. It's a truncated, changed version of it, by the way. That's just, it's even more appalling. Just, I mean, oh my God. Ugh. I can't believe these polls... I can't believe people who are telling me he's going to win because I don't think, I, I mean, how can anyone stand for this shit? I mean, this is crazy. It, it There's baffles. a few. It's baffling. It is really baffling that there are people who are this stupid, willfully ignorant. But the end of the day, a cult is a cult. You know, mm-hmm. the, a cult is a cult. And we know from past history, we know what cults are like. And you cannot help them. You can outvote them. So if you care about democracy, if you care about the rule of law, if you care about personal rights, whether it's women, LGBTQ, whoever you care about, if you care about your voting rights, if you want your vote to count, you have to vote, not when you feel like it, every time, every election, no matter which office we're talking about, and you have to vote for Democrats because they're not perfect. Right. They're a hell of a lot better than these fascists. Yes, exactly. So, Sue, tell people where they can check you out. Thank you for letting me rant, really. I feel like I took a lot of time, and I really appreciate your generosity. Tim, Joe, Adam, and Justice, thank you for your kindness and giving me the time. Um, But you can find me all over the place. Uh, You can find me at Sue in Rockville, at Threads at um, Instagram, at Post, and Spoutable. You can also find me on Mastodon at Sue in Rockville, and, uh, but I, I'm not posting there as much. And, of course, on Twitter at um, 841920 MEMA, M-E-E-M-A-6. You can also find me inside of Bolert Media Busters. It's at Bolert Media Buster 6. Uh, at Media Buster 6, I'm sorry, on Twitter and on Instagram. We're trying to really hold, uh, trying in any way we can to uphold Eric Bollard's memory and hold um, media accountable for this kind of GOP parroting. And uh, you can find us at Bren Books, our Christmas sale. Our holiday sale Ooh. is going to be starting in a couple of weeks. So it's www.bren-books.com. And if you just shoot me an email first, I will give you a 20% discount. And we're going to be doing free upgrades to priority mail shipping as of December 1 because the mail is crazy. <laughs> so thank you, guys. And I hope I hope we do see Trump in jail soon. All right, thank you, Sue. And God's ears, God's ears. All right, and Adam. Ah, yes. Uh, you can find me on Threads primarily uh, at the Adam Hebert. Um, also, I I want to recommend this. Um, I make it no secret that I'm an anime fan, um, and I recently finished watching an amazing um, limited series um, called Pluto on Netflix. Um, and it's basically a retelling of an arc from the original Astro Boy series, Tets, Tets One Adam, Mighty Adam. 
and um, it, it, it's it's very well animated. The voice acting is is great. Um, the music is amazing. It brings up a lot of valid points, including criticisms of America's behavior leading up to the invasion of Iraq, and um, what it means to be human. And I highly recommend this eight episode series, Pluto on Netflix. Please watch it. I think you'll enjoy it. All right. Thank you, Adam. And Justice? You can find me most everywhere on social media as Justice Putnam. Yeah, that's me. And also five mornings a week on West Coast Cookbook and Speakeasy on Netroost Radio. And uh, every Tuesday and sometimes on Friday at Black Co's on Daily Co's. And thank you, Justice. And Joe? Well, you can find me on Facebook, on Mastodon, and on WordPress, jsantorsa.wordpress.com. All right. And you can find me on Tuesday at my poll voting. <laughs> and I hope right. that you'll be doing that as well. But you can also follow me, Tim Corma, on the threads, the Instagram, the so the the spoutable, but uh, the Facebook, but not the Twitty. So, and uh, yeah, so uh, we'll see what happens with the with the Twitter. Rumor has it that the invest the the banks are loaning money are pretty pissed off that he's lost sixty one percent of the value, and they may take it back from him. So who knows? We'll see. <laughs> Miracles. It's a time for miracles. Trump yes. in jail. Yes. Elon Musk loses Twitter. Yay. Actually, and Republicans in, in Congress get indicted for seditious conspiracy. Yes. And uh, so we'll close out with Lauren's latest song, How Can You Govern When You're Anti-Government? So take it away, Lauren, and we will see you all soon. How can you govern if you're anti-government or write legislation when you refuse to legislate? How can you move forward when you want things to go backward? How can you clear up chaos when it's all that you create? How can you solve problems if you don't think facts exist? Or take care of business when you always pass the buck? How can you make policy when you have no ideas? How can you lead if you're falling for and following a schmuck? GOP politicians greet crises with a shrug. Their nonsense and dysfunction are a feature, not a bug. Each bit of social progress, they're determined to remove it. They claim the government doesn't work and then set out to prove it by being uninformed, incoherent, and incompetent. How can you find consensus when you won't compromise? How can you say trust us when all you spew is lies? And one last question that gets to the heart of it. If government's so bad, why do you want to be a part of it? Since distrust of the government's the main thing about you, you can resign and we'll be fine without you.